Welcome to Vroom, your motorsport fix sponsored by Skin Sexual Health. Ride hard, play safe. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Vroom podcast and a big apology first off for making you wait so long for the latest install. As I'm sure you guys uh, that are regular listeners to the show will be aware, we've had a busy couple of weeks, uh, in fact a busy couple of months in the world of motorcycle racing, what with the climax of the British Superbike Championship. MotoGP of course heading into its finale this week and we've had of course uh, the final European race and uh, our first flyaway race in World Superbike. So uh, there's been a lot going on, there's been very little time to uh, coordinate with our guests, but I am delighted to say that this week we have not one, not two, not three, but four guests joining us on the show. In a few minutes' time, I'll be talking to uh, Jack Bednarek, uh, who is a young Superstock 600 rider racing in BSB. He's had a great season, including uh, some podiums along the way. And uh, a little bit later in the show, I'll be speaking to three of the uh, main voices that you may have heard on The Sighting Lap, a new innovative uh, media outlet uh, podcast as well uh, and uh, three of the girls from the sighting lap will be joining me to give us their take on what I'm sure you'll agree has been a fantastic 2022 season. Two rounds left then of the Superbike World Championship. I'm heading out to Indonesia uh, just a couple of days after this podcast will air and then of course we head back to Australia for the first time since 2020. All still to play for in World Superbike so sit back, put your helmets on, relax and get ready. It's time for the Vroom Podcast. Skins. Ride hard, play safe. My first guest on the Vroom podcast this week is uh, a young teenager racer that's riding in the British Superbike Championship in Superstock 600, riding for uh, the legend that is Mr. Craig Fitzpatrick. And uh, Jack Bednarek is uh, joining me now. Is that is that how you pronounce your name? Is it Bednarek? Yeah, it's Bednarek. It's um, originally from Poland. So, yeah. Ah, I didn't do a bad job there then. It's po- Polish is not a language that I speak, but I was thinking I'm going to make a right arse of myself uh, just as we get started. But uh, uh, Jack, thanks for joining us. Um, again, a little story, obviously, I've been following you uh, for, for a little while now. Um, just tell the listeners how you uh, how you got into racing, because uh, obviously you're riding in the British Championship, but it was quite a quick jump into the British Championship from what I understand. Yeah, so I started racing motocross bikes in um, 2018 and then... I did a few years at that and then I broke my collarbone, um, which like I had a lot of time off through through um, the injury. And then uh, I switched straight to pit biking in, at the end of 2018. And then I think at the end of 2018, Craig offered me to ride an R3 that he built in uh, Portugal on, on one of his European track days that he does. Um, and then it went from there really. We started racing at Thundersport in the Super Teams in 2019. Uh, finished third in that in my first year after missing a couple of rounds Um, and then in 2020 obviously the Covid year we switched to a 600 but we had probably four races on the on the bike so we didn't really get much much time on it or practice that we needed and then we just jumped straight in at BSB in 2021. Yeah, as you do, just just casually, uh, two or three years after riding just jump straight into arguably the the most competitive (laughs) domestic championship in, in the world so many things that I want to talk about, but let, let's talk a little bit about, about Craig. And obviously, uh, for some of our listeners, um, they'll be familiar with the name Craig Fitzpatrick. He's uh, a former racer himself, a, a pretty good racer um, by all accounts. You know, he's won races, yeah. he's been at the sharp end. 
runs a very good team. Um, again, uh, for those that follow World Supersport, he was the the, the guy that was behind Kyle Ride when uh, well Kyle took the the podium at Donington uh, in, in World Supersport. So the team that you're with is a very very reputable team. Uh, what's it like? This is your chance. You can get your own back on him now for all those times that he's given you a, a bollocking over over not getting on the gas early enough and stuff. But what's what's it really like working with Craig Fitzpatrick? I mean, I've known him for for, for seven or eight years. He's a great guy. But uh, what's what's it actually like working with him? Given that he was a racer, is, did you find that sort of easier? Yeah. Does it help you a little bit? To be honest, obviously he's helped me through all my riding career really on tarmac and he's really developed me as a rider. But sometimes it is it is really hard. Not not from Craig's side, but just I've just knowing that he's had riders like Kyle Ride and Jake Dixon and people like that. It's really hard like to sometimes live up to that, you know. Especially when I've only been riding a couple of years, so it's it's sometimes it's a bit pressuring. But obviously, when I speak to Craig, there's no pressure there. But in myself, I think I put pressure on myself to kind of perform. Um, but no, it, apart from that, it's it's really good because. Like I say, he's got loads of non- loads of knowledge, and um, yeah, really good. Yeah, and I guess there's nowhere for you to hide, right? If he, if you're saying, "Look, I'm breaking as hard as I can," and he goes, "Listen, yeah. mate, back in 1920 when I first started," like, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. it's interesting what you say though about um, sort of feeling that the, the pressure or the expectation um, to live up to, to the names likes of Carl Ride and, and, and Jake Dixon. What, why, why do you think that is? Because I can see from Craig's point of view, absolutely, mate. There's no pressure yeah. because. Jack Bednarek is Jack Bednarek. You've got to make your own way yeah. in the sport. But why do you think you put that kind of pressure on yourself? I'm not. I'm not that's quite an interesting angle. As, as I said before we started, Jack was asking me, uh, you know, what, what are we going to ask? And I'm like, oh, it's, everything we do is unscripted. So <laughs> it's kind of thrown me a little bit because I've never never had a rider be so open about that. So uh, yeah. No, no. Like I said, I put the pressure on myself. Um, but like, there's a couple of times where like, I'll go to a new track and I'll come in and I'll be like, oh, Gary's not right, but everything is bang on and sometimes like it, it is my fault and like that that's what I mean whereas like Kyle and everyone they've, they've proven to win on on all the bikes and the settings and stuff whereas sometimes like I kind of come in and like blame bike whatever but it's always like down to me and like like Craig he's got like, the settings there and I just need to I need to trust that it's all there and um and work to it. But I mean, you're doing a pretty good job. I mean, you've been you've been at the sharp end. You've been on the podium. I mean, um, you know. But I guess are you kind of. I mean, what's the best way of putting it without making it sound completely weird? It's like it's your first full season in the British Championship. Yeah. So a lot of these tracks that you're going to go to. I mean, I'm guessing you've not been to every track, so that that's part of it as well. Um, yeah. And I guess coming from a from a club level championship, even as as competitive as Thundersport is, it is a big jump, isn't it? I and mean, we've had so many guests over the years uh, on, on the podcast the last couple of years. I remember even speaking to to Dominic Agata and, and 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 some of the guys, and and them telling and explaining how they got into racing. And they're like, "Hey, we thought we were we were at a quick level, and then we get into one, two, five Grand Prix racing, and bloody hell, like." How can they go this much faster? And yeah. it's the same. It's the same, isn't it? In a way, I mean, you know, if you don't know the tracks, it's all new to you, and you're up against some real stiff competition. You know, like Max yeah. Cook and, and some of the guys in, in your category have a lot of experience compared to. Yeah, yeah but it, it really helps having Craig on my side because obviously he's had experience with riders and he's raced himself and he's been at the high, high end of the field himself. So that that's a big help. Um, like when I go to places like Branzac, I know Craig did very well there um like it the the knowledge and experience that it can pass on to me it's it's just it's phenomenal really 
Yeah, for sure. So you said you obviously started out in motocross. What what was the reason that you switched to to tarmac then? What was the what was the drive behind that? Well, my dad he's always just done like track days and like just messed about on on bigger bikes. Um, and then when I broke my collarbone after like I think it was about two months, uh, my dad had a little pit bike, so I just put my motocross gear on and put my elbow pads and knee pads on and just went on went on on the pit bike. Uh, around Fat Cats in Doncaster um, and then I just like fell in love with it really and just sacked motocross off because like with motocross it's all muddy and dirty and like it is like, it's oh, I feel work. you I, I feel you mate yeah. I can't be getting my hands dirty not for me no, not for no. me I, I've ridden I've done a few um, sort of exploits on on, uh, yeah. on sort of enduro and trials my, my dad did trials at motocross so when I was when yeah. I was young I had like a little TY80 Yamaha long yeah, before yeah. you were even thought of mate you weren't even yeah. born, but uh, yeah I do remember but yeah for me it was was never the same like getting all muddy and dirty I, I don't mind riding around like on a go to Donington it could be pissing down with rain or go yeah. to Aston and it's snowing I don't care but you know I, I just don't want to be getting all muddy and getting my hands dirty it's not yeah. for me I know it's hard. It's like I did a bit of enduring as well, and I'd come home after a long race weekend, and then you'd have to clean all the bikes. Obviously, it's just filthy. Um, yeah. But no, it was just good to get away from that side of it. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's great. So you heard it here first. Jack Bednarek has turned to tarmac just so he doesn't <laughs> have to wash his enduro bike. I love that. I mean, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> Obviously, you, uh, as I said, you're in your first full season of uh, of the championship, uh, British Superbikes. What's it like riding in, in, in the British Superbike Championship? I mean, I've been lucky this year to to come back to the championship. Uh, I've been to three or four rounds this year, which is which is unusual for me, just with the calendar always clash, clashing. I can never go and watch BSB, but uh, I always enjoy going to watch it. Great racing, um, always seems to be quite a friendly atmosphere between not just with the fans but also in the paddock. It seems quite a friendly place. Yeah, it is. It, it is good. Um, like. It's like in stock six hundred at the moment as well. The the competition levels like really high because like you've got Matt Cook, um, you've got loads of riders in it that have just got the experience there, and like everyone's pushing limits each, each time out. Like this year, lap records are going all the time, so it is it is a a big step this year, and it is going well. So yeah, obviously part of the job is is meeting the fans, and and again I was I was tend to look at, at Twitter and social media, especially uh, various championships around the world, just given the job that I do, obviously, in, in, in World Superbikes. But there always seems to be a huge loyal following of fans in, in, in British championships. Um, what, how do you sort of feel with interacting with the fans? Because, again, you mentioned that you first went into the championship when it was in COVID, and I know what it was like for us in yeah. World Championships with nobody there. And it was it was very surreal, for, certainly for me with my job, when I'm relying on fans, you know, my job means we yeah. have to have fans there. But it was very strange for me to, to go back this year to, to full open again. It was kind of like having to learn everything again. Yeah. Um, but I guess for you, you didn't really know any different, I guess. Because, no, no. you know, this year for you was... You know, last year you had no fans. This year, full fans. It's it's completely new. Yeah, no, it is a like at Cadwell. There's just the atmosphere there is just it's brilliant. Like you go out, even in FB one and two, like there's just fans all over, and it gives it does it does help. Like it gives you a little bit more motivation, I guess. Yeah, I guess, and obviously, like you said, you never obviously it's, it's such a, an expensive sport now as well. I mean, I think it's always been an expensive sport, but I think it's run a little bit more like a business now, isn't it? You know, you, with yeah. the obligations that you've got for sponsors and things like that. So you never know walking through the paddock, one of one of these guys or, or, or ladies could could be a multi multi millionaire and just has a few few hundred grand spare hanging around that wants to, to to give a rider. So I guess it's you've always got to watch, I guess, what you're 
what you're doing. Like, not 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 play the fool too much, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Like, like we spoke about Cadwell, you've got to build yourself as as kind of a brand, aren't you? And yeah, uh, like kind of sell yourself and what you can bring to to sponsors and and people like that. Yeah, for sure. Now, obviously, you're in you're in stock six hundred, as I said a couple of times now. It is only your first season, so there's not real any pressure on you from the team, uh, the CF Motorsport team, which is, which is great. How, how are you feeling in terms of the, the, the season? I mean, obviously, you've still got a few rounds left at the BSB Championship, just about to go into the showdown with Alton and Donington and, and Brands, or is it Donington, Alton and Brands? Whichever way around it is, I, I was going to yeah. get up. But uh, um, how would you sum up the season? To be honest, it's been really good. Like, we, Well, we started off, well, we did a bit of pre-season testing and that went really well. Me and Craig, we worked very well. Um, and did a lot of productive things in Valencia and Cartagena. Um, and then round one, it started off really bad, like we qualified way down the order. Um, like at Silverson, as you know, a 10th could separate the top 10 kind of thing. It's it's really close. And we qualified really bad. Like I think we qualified 29th, but then we finished the race in 12th. So that, that were a positive. And then we went to Walton Park and that were another big positive. But unfortunately, I had a uh I had a mechanical issue in the race two. Um, so I, I got sixth in race one and then I got a DNF in race two. And then uh, we went straight to Donington, I think it was, and then I got a podium there. Uh, started ninth and finished third. Um, but no, it, it's going really well, to be honest. But apart from a bit of bad luck I've had, uh, I've been, I've, well, I've, I've got taken out at Knockhill and then Branzac. Uh, someone in front of me had a mechanical issue and I had to avoid him and went down pretty hard and dislocated my shoulder so apart from the unlucky DNS and what have you it's, it's going well to be honest Yeah and obviously what does that mean then obviously moving forward three rounds left in the championship um, obviously hoping to get as, as best results as you can maybe another podium or two before the end of the season have you turned your attentions yet to, to 2023? Um, yeah we're, we're all talking about it me and the team um there's a lot of things, a lot of options to to go through yet, but um, we're kind of looking towards the Spanish Championship. Um, but we're not too sure yet. Everything's just in the pipeline, so yeah. All yeah, oh, right. So Spanish Championship is that what that's like the sort of the FIM Junior Championship, is it, or the the ESPK? Yeah. The, like the it'd be the FIM Junior Championship. Oh wow, wow. Um, and that's, I'm assuming, given your given your size, I mean, I've only, only ever met you once, but you were you were certainly taller and broader than yeah. me. I can't. That's, that's not going to be on a Moto Three for sure. No, no, no. I think if we were going to do it, it would be on the stock six hundreds over there. Which oh, yeah, because they still run. That's too. right. Yeah, yeah because yeah. they still run the stock six hundreds within yeah, the, yeah. Um, within the Moto Two. There's like a championship yeah. within a championship. So and that wouldn't be a bad decision. I mean, Fermin Aldiga won that yeah. stock championship. Then he won the Moto Two, and then it, now he's in Grand Prix. So three years. Yeah. Three years from now, mate, you could be you could be in the Moto Two World Championship. Yeah. I just Couldn't... feel like like over there you get so much more track time and everything just so much better and gives you more of an opportunity. Whereas over here in BSB, it's a great championship, but we just don't get enough track time. And like for me, because I've only been I only started racing in twenty nineteen, it's just sometimes it's like playing catch up, um, and it, it it is difficult. Like I've got the speed there, I've got the potential there, but I just need a little bit more time. Um, to, to yeah, to it's lock yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, you said that you um, obviously started in 2019. How old? How old are you now? You, I'm 19 now. 19. Okay, yeah. so so you started when you were 16. Yeah, I guess. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to do the maths in my head, but when you kind of think some of these youngsters in, in Spain, they're riding at five and six years yeah, old, and, uh, it's it's already yeah. 10 years behind, yeah, I mean, you know? Of, some of the riders are racing now in Stock 600. They've, they've raced from a young age and been BSB paddock a while. Um, but sometimes I feel like I'm on, on the back foot, but then again, you know, it's, it's racing. You can't do it about it. You've just got to knuckle down and get on with it. Yeah, and I think it's different. I mean, I think I think you are right. I mean, I think there are different opportunities in in uh, in European countries, in in Spain, in France, in um, in Germany, even. But I think that that's changed as well. You know, sort of ten, fifteen years ago, for example, there wasn't the the support from manufacturers even. So there wasn't even things like the Yamaha R3 Cup. So we have that now as a championship in the World Superbike Championship, where youngsters as young as fourteen, fifteen can come in and race alongside world superbike but these kind of championships didn't exist um, no. 10 years ago you know so i think you know we do now in the bsb have the british talent cup um all on moto threes which is which is great we now have the junior super sport so they are kind of sinking the rules a little bit like what's in europe but as you said the problem is that some of these foreign countries have already had these championships for for 10 years for more than 10 years so yeah. there is going to be that time that it takes just to to build up again isn't there um, yeah definitely which uh, I guess it doesn't doesn't help you um, so much, but I mean at the end of the day, nineteen is still is still very young. I mean you can still have a huge career ahead of you, even at even starting you know as you are now nineteen in your first season in BSB, you, you've still got another twenty thirty years ahead of you. I mean I was watching the Moto America race last week, and and Josh Hayes just won the Super Sport race at forty seven years old. So I mean you've got another. I mean yeah. this was never my strong point, but you've got another twenty twenty eight years to go. I mean you, you've yeah, got yeah. plenty of time there. You've got another three decades. Yeah, definitely. That'd be good. I mean, so do you do you get to watch any other championships as well? I mean, obviously, with you, obviously the, the BSB championship is is taking up all your focus as a rider. But do you get to sort of down tools and, and watch sort of superbikes, MotoGP, Moto America. Yeah, I keep my eye on um, Moto Two and Moto Three, um, and obviously I watch the BSB races and I keep my eye on the Stock Thousand class and the Super Sport class. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you're saying about Moto2, obviously, in the World Championship. But is, is that kind of the route that you're thinking you want to go down then? Are you wanting to get sort of more Moto2? Or are you kind of leaning more towards actually, you know, riding these production bikes is, is good? So maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, a stock 600 in Spain and then maybe a move towards World Supersport, World Superbike. What, what's kind of, have you got any ideas in your head of long term? The ultimate goal, I, w I would like to be on a Moto2 bike somewhere. Um, I just, I really like the class and... When I were in Valencia, there were a guy out there on one and I had to sit on it and it just felt so comfortable and everything about it was just, it was really good. Like the, just just everything about it was just really nice. Yeah, for sure. Right, we're going to fire some quick fire questions uh, at you now, just so that the, the people listening can, can understand a little bit more about you. Some of them are to do with racing, some of them are not. So uh, here we go then. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Oh, okay. Coffee or tea. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, music concert or a football match? Um, football match. Oh, do you support a team? Who's your team? Who do you support? Uh, I don't follow it much, but if I did, it'd be Leeds United. Okay, that's all right. We shall we shall keep recording, ladies and gents, despite the fact <laughs> that he supports uh, Leeds United. Um, uh, blue or red? Blue. Why? Because uh, Yamaha's a blue. Ah, he's got he's, he's he's got all the answers, ladies and gents. He's got all the answers. Um, Isle of Man TT or short circuit? Short circuit. 
What was the last film you watched? Um, in Between Us. <laughs> Good film. Um, what's your what's your kind of favorite music what kind of music do you listen to are you are you one of these writers on the grid where you're you're listening to music or it's funny actually i spoke to um who was the writer that i spoke to i can't remember now who i spoke to a couple of weeks ago and they said no absolutely not they don't want to listen to music at all they don't want the the ears in they actually prefer to keep talking to to the team which i found a bit strange but um that was their way of of relaxing no i'm just starting getting into it really because every time Every time I have listened to music, I've performed well, so obviously that's what I'm starting to do now and, and get used to it. But I listen to like hip hop music. All right. Um, so yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Who's your um, Who's your tip for the title then in uh, in BSB? Uh, Brad Ray. He's just on really good form at the moment, and he's just a he's a really nice kid as well. He deserves it. Yeah. What, what do you think of the showdown then? I, I mean, again, I, I don't want to go all political because I understand why the showdown was introduced and, and I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. But, you know, do, do you do you do you agree with it? I think it's a bit unfair, like compared to like Stock Six Championship. Like, obviously, if it's just who's, who's, who's winning the most and got the most points at the end of the season. Whereas when it all just all the hard work just goes back to zero points in the showdown, it's just a bit. I don't know, I can imagine like Brad Ray's been on top form all season and it goes all back to zero and yeah, no, it is, it is good for the, for the fans to watch because obviously it brings a bit more um, com- competition into it, doesn't it? So, yeah, and I guess, I guess I think the reason it was brought in, wasn't it, years ago, was that the fact that it was to try and stop somebody winning the championship with four or five rounds to go so that people would yeah. still come and watch. I mean, I, I totally get why it was why it was introduced. I guess yeah. on the flip side, if you're somebody like Taron McKenzie, who had a, a terrible start to the season, yeah, definitely. he could now still retain the championship. I mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same for everybody, isn't it? Rules are rules. Yeah. And, um, definitely. You know, whether you like it or not, uh, that's how it's going to be. Um, I've got to ask you about World Superbike. Um, three riders, Jonathan Ray, Toprak, Raz Galioglu and uh, Alvaro Bautista. Um, all fighting for the championship. Three great riders, three great manufacturers, great teams. Who's your money on? Because the season now is just—it's getting a bit cutthroat now, isn't it? It's getting a bit argy yeah. bargy, which is uh, which is good for us watching. But uh, who's your money on? I feel like Toprak will come back on top because um, he's just—he's just an amazing rider, isn't he? Like I've never—I've never really like been a big fan of him, but last couple of years he's really grown on me because like the stuff he can do on a motorbike—it's just—it's just phenomenal, isn't it? It's kind of next level, isn't it? I mean, you see some of the things. Yeah. I don't know if you saw after France, there was one of his supporters and they, they planned this um, celebration that if he won the race, you know, like he does his stoppies. Yeah. Um, they asked me to do it at Donington a couple of years ago and I was like, not on your life. It isn't going to happen. But um, they basically, um, they had his, uh, I want to say it's like his fan club um, leader or, or I, don't know, I don't know what the term is, but fan club manager. Um, and they were all assembled at the hairpin and basically they, they had him lying down at the end of the yeah. street. At France, and, and he literally, you know, legs open, and, and top racks coming towards him at sort of forty mile an hour, doing a bloody stoppy. <laughs> they wanted to do that to me at um, at Donington a couple of years ago for charity, and I was like, not on your life, like, it's not <laughs> like no, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm sure he's he's very capable. It's, it's funny because I did actually speak to Top Rack about that uh, a couple of years ago, and I said, like, has it ever gone wrong? And he's like, only once. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's once too many for me. Then like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, you're not getting me lined down there. It's just like <laughs> uh, no, no chance, no chance. But it is phenomenal, isn't he? I mean, I, I, he posted something the other day now where he's doing he's doing stunts on mountain bikes now, where he was practically like yeah. kissing the front wheel of his mountain bike while he was doing a wheelie like on one leg, and you just think 
When you, you put a post up, I think it was last night, and we were just balancing on a chair, like just sat there with the chair on two legs in, in on this field, and just it was just balancing, and I thought, it's special, isn't it? I mean, imagine that you're on a train or you're just driving by in a bus and you look out the window and there's just Toprak sat in some random <laughs> farmer's field balancing on two legs. Yeah. I mean, you think, what the well. bloody hell's wrong with the guy, <laughs> wouldn't you? I mean, but yeah. it is it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. He did a he did a little stunt show on an electric scooter at, um, at Donington uh, just for a few minutes. And, and even then, just in small circles with this electric yeah. bike, which I mean, you shouldn't even be able to wheelie these things, you know, but you just yeah. think it's impressive. There's a video of him on YouTube, he was about 10 years old and he's on this KTM 85 and he's like pulling wheelies on it and doing like 12 o'clocks and like he, he was good at that age then and you know. Yeah, nice, yeah. I mean his dad was actually a stunt, I don't know whether he was a world champion but his, his father um, was a stunt yeah. champion, Was you know, so it's, it's clearly in the genes isn't it? it clearly, yeah, definitely. It yeah. is in the genes. Um, what, what about yourself, you you good at doing the old, the old wheelies and the old stoppies or are you, you still practising? No, I'm still practicing at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't even. I can't even do them on a mountain bike. I'm hopeless. I'm like one of these people that goes along. I can do a wheelie, and you're like, you know, it literally lifts about this far off the floor. <laughs> and I'm, I'm chuffed enough with that. I'm like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> so, um, well, Jack, we've been talking for almost forty minutes. I mean, time flies. Um, yeah. Thank you for being on the show. How can people follow you? As I said, there are a few races left, and uh, I know that we do have uh, a few subscribers um, from Poland. So the fact that we do have a, uh, I, I guess you have dual nationality. Then, do you? Is that well? Um, I'm like I'm an eighth Polish, so um, it, it stems from my great granddad. Um, so and then obviously the rest of me is full British. Okay, but I mean, let let let's let's get you a whole fan club of Polish motorcycle supporters <laughs> yeah. um, uh, following you. How can people follow you on social media? Uh, my Instagram is Jack Bednarik Racing, and then my Facebook's Jack Bednarik Racing hashtag nine. Hashtag nine, excellent. What number do you race? I raced number 99, it was because when I first started, I was number 9 on my, my Yamaha R3. So ah, that's the I reason I was going to ask you that, because I'm sure you run number 99. So yeah, I do, yeah. kept it, well, That makes sense, but maybe you can go back to number 9. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But actually, 99 is not bad. What, what, what was the reason for the 99 then? A big fan of, of Lorenzo? or No, to be honest, I, well, I, wanted, I think I wanted um, number 19, but that was taken this year. Yeah, because um, I've just always been number nineteen on motocross, um, and my dad. To be honest, it come from my dad because when he raced go karts many years ago, he won British Championship, and he started off as number nineteen, and then he went to number sixty nine, and but all these numbers have been taken every time I've wanted them. So. Oh, so your dad is actually a karting champion. Yeah. I was going to say to you, uh, it's funny enough, I, I do a lot of karting. I love karting. It's, uh, I, I get a bit too aggressive, though. I mean, the amount of people <laughs> I've just put in the barriers. We did a, a media event in, in Italy a couple of years ago, and a young Australian rider, Lachlan Epis. I mean, to be fair, there was maybe a centimetre gap, but yeah. I went for it. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, get, bearing in mind that he had to ride the next day, I, I mean, I thought I'd broken his, thought I'd broken his arm because <laughs> like, he just went straight off the track. But, yeah, who, who would win between you and, uh, and Craig Fitzpatrick on a go-kart then? Uh, have you got your dad's um, driving skills? or? Yeah, well, every time I've been racing my dad abroad and stuff, I've always beat him and he's always said it's down to weight. So, but, no, I think, um, I think I'd beat Craig and my dad. Oh, I think we should set that up. Ladies and gents, yeah. you heard it here first. We're going to set up a Vroom podcast-supported <laughs> go-kart challenge between uh, Jack 
and uh, his dad and uh, and Craig Fitzpatrick and uh, winner takes all. I tell you what, that'd be amazing, especially yeah. if you and your dad beat Craig. God, he'd be so pissed, wouldn't he? <laughs> He, he, would, would, yeah. he would not like that. He wouldn't like that at all. But, uh, absolutely. All right, Jack. Well, thank you for uh, for being on the show. Good luck for the rest of the season. And um, yeah, let's keep in touch and uh, let's see where you end up next year, whether it's still in BSB or in Spain. But uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. See you. Here at Vroom, we want to hear from you, our listeners. So whether you've got a burning motorsport question or if you've got a favourite rider that you'd like us to try to reach out and arrange an interview with, please, please, please get in touch. You can contact me through my Twitter account, at mhillofficial. So what are you waiting for? Get in touch today. Skins. Ride hard, play safe. Well, as promised, our uh, second guest is not a second guest. In fact, it is three guests. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted on this week's episode to uh, now welcome to the show Lauren, Catherine and Carly, who uh, you may be familiar with. Uh, they are three of uh, the, what's the word? What's the, what's the word I can use to describe you? Three of the leading lights, I think we can say, of the sighting lap, which uh, is a new innovative uh, media outlet. Uh, Catherine, I did get to know a few years ago uh, in Qatar, and you may have heard me uh, talking on their podcast. So I thought mm. it was only fair that we return the favour. Uh, there's actually about 2,700 of them that are involved in this project so it's impossible to have them all on the show <laughs> but uh, we decided to whittle it down to uh, to three of them so uh, Carly, Catherine and Lauren are joining us now. Uh, girls firstly thanks for joining us do you want to just give yourselves just a bit of an intro at first just so that I don't get it wrong because I'm bound to get something wrong at some point during the next half an hour so probably if you do yourselves an intro then um, at least I can't get into in trouble for calling you the wrong name so. <laughs> <laughs> Our names are on the screen anyway, Michael. No excuse, no excuse. I know, but the problem is the the eighteen thousand people or so that are listening to the podcast can't see what I can uh, see. I have to say, no. I mean, you, so, some some stunning backdrops, ladies. I mean, I've done some great podcasts over the last eighteen months during the pandemic, and uh, we've done podcasts in garages and things. I mean, Lauren, I mean, that, that is a beautiful British racing green curtain. It looks like behind you. I mean, no, uh, it's it's grey, but you you can't see. But I do have a, a nice shrine of the Isle of Man. <laughs> on my other wall in the living room so <laughs> i do like that i do like that looks like catherine's dialing in from the kitchen <laughs> i live in a studio flat so it's a bit of everything all in one <laughs> okay and carly is dialing in from looks like her bedroom either that or it's yeah. the uh, it's the cupboard from narnia because there's an open wardrobe door behind <laughs> yeah. us so i'm not sure whether we're about to go meet the white witch or mr tumnus or something but uh i mean it's, i mean i have been saying this to gareth actually our producer for a little while that we really should uh, start to uh, to do video when we do our mm -hmm. podcast because I think it really uh, it sheds a little bit more light on people and um, so yeah we've got uh, we've got the Chronicles of Narnia meets the Kitchen meets uh, British Racing Green Isle of Man tribute and a bald guy that's going to talk absolute crap for thirty minutes so <laughs> sit back folks because this is going to be a great show <laughs> unbelievable. Brilliant. Yeah, so, so I mean, I don't know whether we which which way around we go, but I mean, Lauren, do you want to just give a quick intro to yourself, and then we'll kind of go around as I'm seeing you guys on the screen? Yeah. So I'm Lauren Alexander. I am 23 years old. I had to think about that, and I'm from Northern Ireland. So road racing, growing up, you know, loving all that side of things, and obviously more recently, World Superbikes and MotoGP. And I've just actually graduated from university. I did a 
um, sport and exercise science degree. So now I'm just seeing where the world takes me and where the siding lap can go. So that's, a, I suppose, a little bit about myself, yeah. No, that's great. And congratulations on uh, on graduating. Well Thank done. Thank you. Well done. Uh, next, as I kind of see them rotating around, uh, is, is Catherine. And as I said, uh, we have a bit of history, don't we, Catherine? Just a bit. You've known me, what, nearly eight years now? Uh, that can't be possible because I'm only 22, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been a few years, hasn't it? It's been a few years. Um, so, hi, I'm Catherine Dick. Um, I study football journalism at the University of Derby. I don't focus on football, I focus on motorsports. Um, I, my dad was racing when I was younger and I've been to lots of Grand Prix at Donington World Superbikes at, in Qatar, which is obviously where I've met Michael. I've done lots of MotoGPs in Qatar and well now I'm back in the UK and I went to Donington this year to, for the World Superbikes and now I'm on this podcast and I'm having a great time. Yeah, absolutely. And I should again publicly apologise that despite knowing Catherine for such a long time, I completely blanked her for about the first two hours that I saw her in the paddock because I just didn't recognise her. It was quite it. funny. It, it, it is now looking back, but I felt so embarrassed given that I, I got to know you. And um, it was kind of one of those moments where I'm so used to seeing you in the Middle East in the races that we've had over mm-hmm. there, obviously, because I've been there for Superbike and, and obviously worked with the circuit for MotoGP that... I kind of double took and I was kind of like, no, I can't be. And I just carried on and carried on. And it was only when you kind of approached me and I was like, oh, that's actually highly embarrassing. But anyway. It is uh, me. It, Don't worry. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Uh, and last but not least, um, Carly. Yes. So, hi, I'm Carly. I'm 19. I'm from the UK. I am studying accountancy, which is completely different from the other two girls. Um, so this is kind of basically a hobby for me, just like outside of work. I just really love talking about bikes. So yeah. No, I, I love it. And again, we should give a shout out. There's um, there's five or six. Is there five or six other people? I was trying to work out the list because I was kind of going through everybody and trying to write everybody's names down. And I'm sure I was going to miss someone. But there's 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 definitely more than half a dozen of you that are involved collectively with the sighting lap, right? Yeah, there's eight of us in total. Um, just because because for all of us it is sort of a hobby you know lots of people have school work or other commitments on so having a slightly larger group is quite handy because we can sort of share the workload or rotate it around in in a sense and when people are busy other people can sort of pick up the slack sort of thing so for us it works very well that there is a slightly bigger bigger group but usually on the race weekend there's three to four of us actively working along the social medias or doing the podcasts and stuff yeah, and Catherine, um, obviously, like I mentioned, you you have a podcast uh, which is which is fantastic. Just give us give us sort of a bit of a background. Like I said, I know what you what you girls and obviously you should say guy as well because you aren't uh, solely uh, sort of female driven. Uh, there are obviously male members of the team, but I think one of the reasons that that I kind of um, was really sort of spiked my interest was there's been a lot of talk in in the last 12, 18 months around diversity in sport, not just in motorsport but sport in general. And I think that for me, when when I spoke to Catherine initially. The idea that it was predominantly at the time a group of young female enthusiasts that were driving this project and your passion for for motorsport really kind of resonated with me. And I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I think, you know, from your perspective, Catherine, what was the driving force behind it then? Well, I'm actually not the person you want to ask this because I didn't. <laughs> I joined a bit later, but I, the girls, I don't know, Lauren, do you want to take over? Because you started it. I did not. Well, sort of, I don't, it's really hard to explain in the sense of it was just the fact that there was, what, five of us initially 
who all just genuinely loved motorsports so much. And it was getting to the point where we were having discussions every weekend about what was going on on the track. And it did sort of just get to the point where we were like, well, why don't we do this? You know, there's so many podcasts out there, you know, in motorsport in general. And most of it is male dominated. Now it is getting a lot better. There are a lot more female um, content creators or presenters and stuff like that out there. But it was sort of just almost a hobby as such to start with that it was we just want to talk about the thing that we love so why not start a podcast if we get listeners we get listeners and if we don't well we're still going to sit down every week and talk about the stuff that we enjoy and it's taken off quite well so I have to say it's definitely paid off as such and we still enjoy it as much now as what what we did when we started yeah and obviously Catherine you said obviously you came into uh Sorry, go on. Yeah, you could so say you, you sort of joined in a, a little bit later, didn't you? You kind of uh, sort of um, you weren't one of the, the founding I, members. I, I, can, I, can we call it that? I don't know whether we do we call it yeah. founding members. I don't know what we actually call it. Yeah. But I mean, you... yeah. Yeah, technically. Um, I joined a bit later, so I actually DM'd them only intending to collab on one episode. And to which I got a response of, hey, we want to chat to you if you want to join. And I was like, join? and um yeah so we had a few zoom calls and I basically told them my life story as you do within like five minutes of meeting them and because I I, I'd seen the chemistry on the podcast because I'd listened to the podcast myself and I'd seen them on Twitter and on Instagram and I was like I want to be a part of this and I I was like oh I want to be part of this see if they'll work with me and then turns out I don't know how long it's been I'm still here yeah that's great and obviously Carly like you said I mean I think you just said in, in your intro um, you know one of the youngest members of, of, of the sighting lab group but um, you know you're coming from a completely different background I mean obviously you're studying for accountancy so you know that's arguably worlds away from from motorsport but obviously what, what was your sort of um, sort of reasoning behind getting involved I mean obviously you clearly enjoy motorcycle racing that's apparent I mean obviously I've heard yeah. you guys on the podcast but um, how did you kind of come to be part of this well we it was like me lauren and a few other of the girls and we were just like on twitter talking about motorsport in like this big group chat with loads of other people in it and then we made a smaller group chat with just like us five in it and it just started from there really it was just we didn't know each other that well and we just started having calls and talking about motorsport really I was going to say, it's funny that you mentioned that, that you didn't know each other. Um, because I said, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, with the job that I've got within within racing. So it's important for me to understand and, and get different people's perspectives. But I don't think anybody, if you've, I mean, again, ladies and gents that are listening to, to my podcast, if you've never listened to an episode of The Sighting Lab, firstly, what the hell is wrong with you people? Because uh, it's a great show. <laughs> um, you need to go and listen to the show. They've had some great guests and they do a lot of really quirky things um within their podcast which i'm sure we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes but um for me when i listened to it the first time i wouldn't i thought that you guys would have all grown up as friends like I, as you guys have said already the chemistry that you guys have the synergy that you have together to me just compels you to want to go and listen to it again and like, like i said it's not for me it's not the fact that you are all female or predominantly all female it's the fact that you just have this great chemistry and you clearly do your research. So for me, someone that is stats driven and, you know, I like to, that's the kind of element that I go for with, with stuff that I do with riders. It's, it was, I think it's just refreshing. I think it's really cool. I think the the chemistry between us when we sort of first had a few calls together 
and this was before the the podcast had even like began like we just called and like would sit on discord chats with each other and just chat about it and watch like streams and stuff of, of races and when we sort of noticed that ourselves of we get on with each other so well it was oh we should just do our own and then it was like well actually why don't we and yeah I think it, it <laughs> for me definitely it, it took me by surprise the chemistry that we had the first few times that we met and like we still haven't met in person all of us I've only met um, one one of the other girls Anik because we've gone to a race together and other than that we still haven't met each other but we're able to to do this this podcast and it somehow oh. works yeah. so, so, so you've only actually met Anik who's yeah. one of the girls is obviously not on the call now so so Catherine have you met Carly as well like yeah. have you or, so who we approached you? you together at Donington. at Donington this year yeah yeah we, we've met each other um I had a bit of a different perspective on this because I came in and they were great friends and I was like oh I, I didn't know if it was going to work because I just dm'd them and I'm it took me by surprise how well we we all yeah. click as well yeah no I you think, know, I think, I think, I think we all say we've got good friendships yeah yeah, I think I it's think great. It's... And, and, and so many people don't. I mean, sorry, sorry, Carl, I think you're probably going to say the same thing. It's, it's kind of so many people say to me as well, it's kind of like that racing the paddock is like a it's like an extension of your family. Um, yeah. And I, I say that, you know, and I genuinely you've, you've seen me on the stage. And, and, you know, if you watch Motor America, I've said it as well. I genuinely feel that I have the best job in the world, like 95 percent of my friends come from the paddock. And I would genuinely say that, you know, 50 60 maybe 70 percent of the, the world superbike paddock i would class as friends i would quite happily go for a beer with them i would quite happily go and hang out with them like you know it, it, it's it's a it's a strange kind of strange strange kind of sport isn't it i'm not sure that you get it in other sports i mean maybe catherine you can maybe you know more obviously studying um football i mean there is a camaraderie in football but i mean i'm not be honest i'm not a, not a massive football <laughs> fan in fact i've only ever been inside one football stadium in my life but, and that was in bury ram for a for a, a world superbike um, media event so i didn't actually watch a football <laughs> game but um but i think it's just different isn't it I, I don't know if you you agree but i just feel that you know it doesn't matter who you're supporting certainly in world superbike i can say that 100 yeah. percent hand on heart this year you know now that we've got fans back we have you know, the Toprak supporters, the Alvaro supporters, the, the Jonathan Ray supporters, three very strong groups from different parts of the world. But even if they're on in front of the paddock show and it doesn't matter who wins, there's no booing. There's no, there doesn't seem to be any animosity. And you do see that, mm. I think, in other sports. I mean, I watched the Formula One Grand Prix yesterday, Lewis Hamilton getting booed. And I'm like, mm. I just don't get it. I, you know, I understand if your favorite rider or driver doesn't win, but where, where does I don't know where does the line stop I mean I just I just think the whole thing's a bit ignorant and a bit crazy but I mean I, I think you know going off on a bit of a tangent I do think that the superbike paddock or certainly the racing motorcycle racing paddock in general is like a big family yeah I'd agree with that um obviously I do have background in football I work in a football club and I, I kind of say I can agree with that but also the football club that I work for I focus mostly on women's women's football and it's okay. very different to men's football. Uh, men's football, you get booing. I don't like booing. I think it's petty, except 
on occasions, but that's a different fan perspective. <laughs> yes, <laughs> tickets, it's like... tickets to Catherine Dick's Unlimited show go on sale <laughs> in about 20 minutes' time, ladies and gents. So. <laughs> um, but no, I, I would agree with you. I feel like with motorsport, it's a different type of family. You're all in it together. You all, you all have a passion for the same thing. It doesn't matter who's on the bike. You all love the same thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Carly, I mean, obviously, like you said, you're, you're studying um, accountancy and things. Um, how, how do your friends, because I, I imagine, and again, maybe this is me completely wrong. And again, I, I hope I don't offend anybody that's listening. But, you know, I, I would assume that, you know, the career path that you're potentially going down is is quite niche. Not, not everybody wants to wake up one day and become an accountant, just like not everybody yeah. wants to wake up and become a scientist or whatever <laughs> it happens to be. So no. how do your friends, how do your friends react when they say, oh, what, what are you doing this weekend? Are you going here? Are you going there? Oh, yeah, I'm going to record another podcast for, for Motorcycle. How, how does that get taken in that world, like from from your side? I feel like it's very different because most of my friends, um, like obviously not the girls here, but they're not really into motorsports. So I think that's why we kind of click so much, so well, because we do we do all share that common interest. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously, if I can't talk to anyone in person, who like who else am I going to talk to? Obviously, I have my family who I can talk to, but it's nice to have other people you can talk to about something you love. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, obviously, you get on so well. I mean, there must be times when there's a disagreement. There must be. I mean, I shared a room uh, <laughs> with, with Greg Haynes, the commentator, and we would often discuss uh, over dinner and things like that, you know, before we go to bed or whatever, just chit-chatting away about who was going to win the next day. And I mean, I, I, I will admit, I mean, I do come out with the most craziest um, predictions. I mean, I may or may not have predicted that An Alessandro Andreozzi could possibly win at Laguna Seca on a Pedicini Kawasaki if it rained. I mean, I did say that. I mean, I did, you know, and my, my point was when, when I was making these crazy bold predictions back in sort of 2016 is that it's motorsport. Anything can happen. Why can't he? You know, yeah. um, I remember, again, going back to, to when I first met Catherine, there was a Qatari rider, Saeed Al-Saiti, um, yes. who everybody said would never score a point. He wasn't fast enough. One of the I nicest guys. I was not guys. one of these people. Say again? I was not one of those people. I said no. You weren't. I will just yeah. I will put that out there. You were not one of those people. But, <laughs> um, he, he was one of the nicest. Is one of the nicest guys. Some of the and I recall a friend. And I remember at Laguna Seca, he scored his first world championship point. And you know, it was like the entire paddock just erupted. Like this guy from Qatar had just won the world championship. And it's so. I mean, there must be there must be times when there's conflicts. I mean, I assume it doesn't matter what championship we're talking about. If we're talking about PSB, I'm sure there's going to be a, a Ducati <laughs> fan or a Tom Sykes fan versus a Taron McKenzie fan or a, a Toprak versus Jonathan fan or a Mark Marquez versus Fabio fan. So, I mean, where, where, where do you girls sit then in terms of where, where are your allegiances, I guess? is Because, I mean, you, you, turn, you tried to turn this table on me and obviously... Yeah, You failed miserably because I give you the most political answer. Uh, I am actually going to run for next prime minister. I mean, we couldn't do any work than what we've already got could we that again, <laughs> don't set me off on politics but um obviously you, you girls you know are free i guess to to say where your allegiances lie so i mean if, if you take those three championships where, where where's your loyalties i'm interested I, to know I, I genuinely do think we do try and stay as neutral mm. as possible people can make their own minds up on that and, and listen to the podcast <laughs> and then they'll be like what are you talking about like there's clear bias here but <laughs> Personally, I do like to try and stay as neutral as possible. But, of course, I have favourites. I think it would be weird not to have favourites. You know, mm. I grew up watching the sport. 
loving Valentino Rossi like he is my idol in all senses so I think there's always a bit of favoritism no matter what class it is yeah no, no I mean I would agree I think you asked me the same thing and it, it's yeah. kind of you know obviously when when any of us are recording a show or when I'm on stage or on TV, you have a job to do. So there has yeah. to be an element of impartiality because it's your job and you, you can't show bias. But, you know, ultimately, you know, in the back of my head, there's three guys fighting for a world championship. And for sure, there's 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 somebody that I would love to see win a tit- win the title. <laughs> yeah. you know, of course it would, you know, the same in, in GPs, you know, and that doesn't mean I'm more Fabio or more Peco, but it's kind yeah. of everybody has a favorite you know um what, what about you um carly in terms of sort of moto gp or, or world superbike have you got a a favorite or someone yeah. that you cheer? <laughs> she, she's laughing is this is where she's going to cl- climb back into that wardrobe behind her and just <laughs> disappear <laughs> i do think that there as like a whole group we all definitely have different different favorites yeah. or well, obviously some of us have the same but then when like say in Moto Two, like some people like Iger and some people want Fernandez to win the championship, but like we don't like argue about it. We just like joke about it, like haha, like a girl is gonna lose the championship or something. But it's it's not like we're arguing about it. It's like more of like a friendliness. Yeah, yeah. We we know what annoys each other. Like we know yeah. Well, if yeah. I say something. It's going to, like, Anik, Anik and I do it all the time. She's not here mm-hmm. to defend herself now, so I can <laughs> drop her in a bit. We've been on calls with each other, and I'll say something to her, and she'll leave the call and be like, no, I'm done. And then the next day, we're, we're laughing with each other again because she's like, Lauren, you're just being petty, or we're just annoying each other. So, of course, we argue and stuff like that, but I think we just know how to push each other's buttons, but in a in a fun way. Like, we're not actually arguing with each other. We're mm-hmm. genuinely just having a really, really good, a good laugh. And we know that just because someone else supports another rider, it, it doesn't matter. We're not going to mm. hate on them or be like, oh, you can't be part of this podcast because you don't support Fabio. <laughs> you know, that'd be so Yeah, weird. yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. See, I find that funny because there's eight of you and there's only one mm. of me and I continually just argue with myself. Like, continually <laughs> just sitting on a plane coming back from Argentina, just literally muttering to myself under my breath, trying to sleep, just, like, talking to myself because it's like, yeah, it's, I, I, I get what you mean, though. I, I do think it's funny, but I think that's also what makes certainly our industry and certainly when you know from your perspective now doing podcasts and and obviously putting things out there it's all down to I don't want to use the term freedom of speech but everyone's got their own opinions and I think as long as as long as you're not overtly offending somebody by what you're saying I think that there's no reason to state how you feel about a certain thing you know I've said it before on on the Vroom podcast talking about long lap penalties and hitting the green and all this that and the other and it's like you know, aerodynamics is another conversation that we've had. You know, for me, I think it's gone too far. You know, that yeah, doesn't mean yeah. that I'm against MotoGP. I work in the championship. But for me, there comes a point where it just detracts from the actual racing. And that's been the same in Formula One. You know, we've we've seen that over the years. Um, you know, and the same when people talk about regulations. And it's always this big conflict of, well, BSB is better than World Superbikes. And both of them are better than Moto, Moto America. And it's like, guys, you're not even comparing apples with apples. Like, you know, they're all individual championships that all have their strengths, but they all have their weaknesses the same. Why can't we just embrace the fact that we have so many championships around the world with so many fantastic races, so many fantastic teams? Let's just enjoy motorsport. And, you know, but every time I say that, I get slated. I mean, there'll be 25 comments on Twitter after someone's heard me say that to you, saying that I'm trying to sway sway the sighting lap into to being more right. But it's just all no. it's, 
you know what? I'm just going to say it's all bollocks, isn't it? It's no, all it is. It is. <laughs> I I'm on another podcast um occasionally, and I had said something um about Peko Bagnaia and Fabio Quattararo. And someone was like, oh, it's clear that she's the big Fabio Quattararo fan. Like, why does she hate Peko Bagnaia so much? Like, what does she have against him? And I was like, I was just pointing out. I think he crashed in a race. And I was like, just pointing something out. And this person was like, oh, well, she must hate Peko Bagnaia then. That's obviously what it is. And I was like, yeah. what? What do you yeah. mean? I, it's just my take on this situation that's happened. And mm. I didn't think I said anything rude or out there outlandish or anything but I think people are just so quick to be like oh well if you like that person then you have to hate this person yeah it's funny that you mentioned it's funny that you mentioned Pecco and I wasn't going to go there but I think I might um (laughs) what do you what what do you see or or feel uh, and again I'm not mentioning any names but there's been various comments on Twitter and we all know what happened to Pecco in the summer break um you know nightclub had a couple of drinks it is, you know, he, he's, he, as far as as far as I'm concerned, it was dealt with by the authorities, from what I understand. And Ducati didn't comment, and he got on with his racing. And various journalists made various comments. I can see both sides of the argument because I do believe that riders are role models, just as we are role models. And I believe that you know we all can have a party, we can all can do crazy things away from the track, but. You know, if certain things get leaked into the public domain, then you have to be prepared to pay the consequences for that. Whoever you are, I think, is just how I see it. But what, what do you think in terms of the way that, that that was was handled by, not necessarily by MotoGP, because it wasn't a MotoGP event. It was a private thing that he was doing. But, you know, a lot of people are saying employers, you know, he was drink driving. He got, you know, would you necessarily be fired from McDonald's if you were drink driving? Yeah, I- this it's it's a really weird one. Mm. you know and at the time I was like this is ridiculous like something should have been said Mm. looking back on it now I completely understand the way that the situation was handled and you know if it was dealt with by authorities then there's no issue there you know it's been dealt with properly um Mm. personally I thought that Pecco released a statement and then deleted the statement you know within a day I thought you know he should have just held his hands up gone yeah did that the team could have been like look we understand I think if someone had just gone it's being dealt with and that's yeah. that then people wouldn't have been so crazy about it all but I think where the issues lied with a lot of people was they were like oh he's just got off scot-free and they're just ignoring the situation yeah it's how I seen it but I, yeah. I do understand how they went about it and it I think it just to people it looked like they were putting their heads in the sand and ignoring yeah. it when obviously that's not what happened but hindsight's I mean, a great thing I suppose yeah I mean I put my face to a video on our TikTok about it um and I I basically at the time I was like I don't understand I still I still sort of stick by what I said and it was I basically I just said um it was they could have dealt the 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 employers could have dealt with it better and not stuck their head in the sand. I didn't appreciate uh, from a journalism point of view when I get told to react with PR situations. That's not how we're told to react with it. And that I, I wasn't mad at Peko. I was more mad at the way that the situation was. I wasn't even mad. I was just like, why is it not being dealt with correctly the way that I've been told how to deal with situations? And it's not to hide from them, but to face them. And the fact that they didn't face it did kind of 
yeah, it did make me just wonder a bit, like what was actually going on? Because then nothing was actually said publicly that he it was dealt with by the authorities. But then we found out it was dealt with by the authorities, but we didn't find that out from Ducati. And I think that's what upset the fans. Yeah. And I guess, Carly, do you think that's just maybe down to the fact social media nowadays, you know, damned if you do and damned if you don't, right? If they say yeah. something, they're going to be persecuted. If they don't say something, they're going to be persecuted. Yeah. Because I think the whole thing was posted on like some on Twitter, like on a, on a blog page or something. Yeah. And everyone was just so quick to have their opinion, like mm. whether it was good or bad or whatever it was. They were just like social media these days. You can put anything online and it's just out there for the rest of the world to see. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, can you believe we've been talking for 30 minutes already and I'm already getting notifications that we've only got 10 minutes to go and I'm always getting into trouble by running over. So we have just over nine minutes and I do have a few things I want to get through. Um, obviously, you've got the podcast. Um, how can people go and listen to your podcast? Because we're kind of talking a bit of nonsense and, and being a bit political and going through things and stuff. But as I said, I mean, the, the Sighting Lap podcast for me is is a really innovative um vehicle medium for, for 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 fans of motorsport to go and listen to you've had some great guests um you've you've had some rising stars um you do a lot of real fun things on the podcast give us a summary of what someone can expect on the podcast and how can they go and subscribe to it uh well firstly if you look us up on the internet you can find all of our social medias it's the first thing that appears if you type in the siding lap onto google you know our instagram twitter all that will appear our website which is new and looks very good will also appear and then on spotify the same thing you look up at the siding lap and we will appear and we have plenty of podcast episodes since the start of this season um more recently we've um gotten a lot more guests on which has been absolutely great it's something that we set out to do when we started initially it was just us talking about race weekends and about different topics within motorsport but now that we've got riders on you know we've had riders from motor america bsb uh, some from the world superbike paddock so i think we're trying to expand that more i think people can expect to see some funny episodes of us just talking complete nonsense but then <laughs> even the interviews are a bit of nonsense but it's fun yeah. and i think we see a different side of riders that maybe they you wouldn't see on an interview on tv i think they it's a much more relaxed environment and yeah, it's quite funny and we have a lot of jokes with each other, I think. So it's it's a very laid back environment, I think, the siding lap. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Real quick then, uh, uh, in terms of the World Superbike Championship, I'm flying out to Indonesia. This podcast will go out and then literally a couple of days after the podcast airs, I'm on a plane to Indonesia, then straight to Australia. Um, 124 points still in play, three riders still in play. Um, Catherine, I'm going to come to you first. Um, Alvaro obviously is in the driving seat. He can be the world champion in in, uh, in Indonesia. Um, he just needs to be 99 points ahead on Saturday or obviously 62 points ahead at the end of, of the weekend. He's, he's 82 ahead at the minute. Um, is Alvaro going to win the championship? And if he's not, who is going to beat him? Yes. And... We all knew yes. that was coming. Oh, you know it was coming. My, my background on my laptop is literally a photo of me meeting Alvaro Bautista in Qatar in 2019. So, yes, I do think. I'd, li I'd like if, if he could delay it from next week to the week after because I can't watch this weekend. So, <laughs> Okay, so, no, you'd I like, think he will. so you think he's going to win it, but you, you'd like to see it go down to Australia. You'd like to see it to go to the well, final round. It's a bit of fun, you know. It's a bit chaotic. That'd be good, yeah. 
Yeah, Lauren, what's your thoughts on it? Toprak, Jonathan, or Alvaro? I mean, it's not over till it's over. We've seen championships decided by half yeah. a point in World Superbike, exactly. so anything can happen. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'll let my Northern Irish bias shine through. If I could pick from the three, it would have to be Jonathan Ray. Points-wise, I do think it'll be Alvaro. But also, Toprak is in second place. So I think if someone's going to take it to Alvaro, it'll be Toprak. But my heart yeah. lies with Johnny, I have to say. Yeah, and I've got to say, Jonathan was on fire in uh, in Mandalika last year. He was exactly. literally took the championship to top rack, only missed out by six points. So, you know, with three wins, you know, Jonathan has, has got nothing to lose, has he? Three wins and the title's still on. So, I mean, yeah. it's, um, yeah, interesting. Carly, what about you? What, what's your uh, thoughts I on that? Do think, I do think that Bautista's got it. But I did want top rack to win... You've Again, got three different allegiances. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we you never know. Indonesia, yeah. we could have um floods, we could have anything. Yeah. True. So Yeah, I mean it could it could go down to the final round. I mean, I'm not sure I'll have a voice if it does. The last time we went racing in Phillip Island, I think there was zero point zero one of a second or zero point one second between the whole podium in every race. So I think it's <laughs> gonna be uh it's going to be pretty uh, pretty chaotic. Um, I guess we should also say as well that uh, we'll put a little bit of a, a feeler out there. And I'd be interested just to get some feedback from some of our listeners. Um, we've also been talking, uh, myself and uh, the girls, uh, about possibly taking the sighting lap powered by Vroom on the road. So uh, we're going to put this out there publicly now. We've been doing a little bit of a chat behind the scenes. Um, I think it would be a cool idea to have uh, a bunch of us uh, go out uh, around uh, the UK, Northern Ireland, and uh, maybe try and get some riders involved and, and, and take something on the road in a, in a fun kind of way. So I'm definitely up for it. I know, obviously, girls, you are. Um, yeah. Let's let's put it out there to the public. If you guys would like to see something happen, um, drop us a message. Either DM me, M Hill Official, or at the Sighting Lap, as, as Lauren has said. Uh, give us some thoughts, some riders, things you'd like to see, possibly on a, in a roadshow kind of environment. And let's see if we can make it happen. And, of course, uh, a big thanks to Skin's Sexual Health. They're involved with us. Um, if there's anybody else out there that also wants to get involved partnering with this idea that we've got, um, get in touch with us as well, because we can certainly promote your uh, brand uh, in a pretty uh, dynamic and unique way. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm up for that. I mean, I said we've got just over three and a half minutes, but I mean, Lauren, Catherine, um, Carly, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think some kind of theatre roadshow with riders, yeah, a bit yeah. of fun on a night out. I think, I think it would be so cool. It's never been I done think, before. Yeah, I think it would be great. And if you listen to the Signing Lap podcast, you'll understand. We're a bit chaotic there. We should see the stuff that we cut out of our podcast. Maybe we'll put that on there someday. So if you want to see a bit of chaos, if you want to see a bit of chaos and fun, then I I honestly think we're onto something fantastic here. And it's something I really, really want to put on the road and, and see if we can go ahead with it. And I think riders would love it too. So Yeah, I think so. Just kind of, you know, something that's never been done in a really relaxed environment, you know, and, you know, like we've talked about as well, you know, maybe tying it in with some charity or something, just doing something in a really, really fun off season kind of way. Mm. Now that I kind of think the pandemic's behind us, we can kind yeah. of start thinking about some, some really cool things. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. And what I'd also like to publicly uh, publicly put out there is, since you guys have never actually all met each other, 
why don't we try to see if we can actually arrange for, for you guys to get together? And I'll be like, I mean, you're probably too young to even know who Michael Aspel was. Um, he was the guy that used to have a TV show. I was only a kid at the time, but I remember being at my, my nana's house and he'd rock up with a big red book and it was called This Is My Life. And then he would basically do like a, a, a talk show and the curtain would open and then, you know, somebody's school teacher from 1946 would suddenly turn up and start telling hideous stories about what <laughs> the, the, the celebrity had done at, um, at school. But, you know, I could be the Michael Aspel of the sighting lamp and just bring eight of you together wherever it's going to be and be like hey Catherine you know meet Annick and Lauren meet Annick and let you know and just actually do the whole kind of thing together and just you know if nothing else we'd have a few beers and just talk yeah. bikes yeah That'd be that good. would be good. I'd like yeah. that. My dad and I were actually talking about that today. He's like, Lauren, you wouldn't remember this show, but it was great because I I said about the idea to him and he was like, yeah, we need to do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I spoke to my, my dad and that as well. I spoke to my mum and dad and said, like, what, what do you think? And I I think there would be an appetite for it. I think it would be yeah. really, really cool. I think it would be, uh, it would be so, so good. Um, well, girls, I mean, you know, I can talk for England, um, <laughs> but we have been talking for almost 40 <laughs> minutes and uh, I do need to get this sent off so we can get it edited before Mandalika. Big, big thanks to all three of you for, for being on the show. Just give us a quick reminder again, how can people follow the podcast and follow you guys on social media? Yeah, we are at the Siding Lap absolutely everywhere. We are not difficult to find. So just type us in and we will appear. So definitely mm -hmm. do go follow us and listen to the podcast. Definitely. Yeah, and check out the website. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> do check out the website. I saw that the other day. It's absolutely brilliant. So um, as I said, um, <laughs> Uh, that has been the latest episode of the podcast. A big, big thanks to Catherine, to Lauren and to Carly. I've got less than 40 seconds, so uh, stay with us. Uh, we've got some information coming up about what you can expect on the Vroom podcast next time out. Thanks for joining us. A big, big thanks to our guests this week, to Jack and to our three ladies from the Sighting Lab. Wish them very well, of course, with their exploits, uh, with everything they're doing off track, and of course with Jack Bednarek with everything that he's doing on it. I uh, would also like just to take a moment on behalf of myself and Gareth Bouch just to express our sincere condolences to the families and friends and teams and loved ones of the uh, riders that have sadly lost their lives in the last couple of weeks in uh, this sport that, uh, that we certainly love so much but it does have its dark days it does remind us of the dangers but our thoughts are uh, very much with those that have been affected uh, by those riders that have passed away recently our next episode will be coming after the final round of the australian world superbike round the final international race of the season where we'll be having a full review of uh, everything two wheels both there on this side of the pond, on the opposite side of the pond, and globally. So make sure you stick with us in a couple of weeks' time for our season review. That will be the next episode on the Vroom Podcast. Vroom, your motorsport fix, sponsored by Skins Sexual Health. Ride hard, play safe. The Vroom Podcast is presented and produced by me, Michael Hill. It's edited by Gareth Bouch of Room Media with music by The Rain Dogs. It is a production of Michael Hill Promotions. Mm -hmm.